Full Scope, a podcast of two guys in their 20s, giving them perspective on the games that we love, the headlines of pop culture, and the meaning about it all. I'm your host, Wins Burns, along my counterpart, Save by Morris. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. Another day, another dollar. Uh, absolutely, man. <laughs> and we're joined by a special guest, once again, Jeremy Ruffin. I'm a life coach, sports trainer, and motivational speaker in Tudor at Rough Path. He was recently on this past summer um, to, to, to do some finals talk, but thanks so much for being back on, sir. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, man, definitely. And we have a lot of topics to get into for this episode. Um, in the first half, we're going to do some some uh, NBA and NFL topics. The second half, some album reviews. And in, in the last half, a review of Bronx Tale. But to start off with just the breaking news of Donovan Mitchell being traded to the Cavs and just thoughts on how this new fit will go for both sides. Um, you know, in this blockbuster, blockbuster deal done earlier today, um, the Jazz are receiving Larry Markinen, Okai Agbaji, Colin Sexton and Cleveland's unprotected first round picks in 2025, 2027 and 2029 as well. But um, to, to you, Jeremy, like looking at how Mitchell is joining a young core and, you know, this is a very like battle tested defensive team, you know, a, a young team coming up. Like, what are your thoughts on this deal? And also just, you know, how Utah is doing a complete rebuild. So it's crazy because you text me today. <laughs> I'm actually <laughs> heading to my basketball workouts uh, and you said, yeah, um, make sure you put on thing about Donovan Mitchell being traded. I'm like, Donovan Mitchell being traded. What? I ain't heard that. <laughs> So it was news to me, man. So I got right on ESPN yeah. and I checked it out. Man, listen, Colin Sexton is a basketball player, man. Like, I love watching him. But who? what's the other guard that they still have on that team for the Cavs? Darius Garland. Garland. Yeah. Man, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to tremendously – I mean, how how would you not want to be tutored be and mentored by, by the best, one of the best to ever do it? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's I think it's a win win. You know the Jazz are trying to rebuild and do some things. So I thought it was great for them to get some some uh, some of those young talent. I mean, they got a lot of draft picks. Yeah, and they've got some flexibility to do some cool things moving forward. Whether they want to make some trades or uh, they 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 can dangle some carrots, man. I think it's cool. I think it's a win win for both teams, man. I love how <laughs> Cleveland plays. Um, is Kevin Love still on their team? Yes. Yes. I think so, that's great to have those veteran that guys veteran. Man, that have been there and done that, yeah. man. You need that. Like if a lot of people talk about youth, man, but <laughs> you you better have some veteran guys that can that can say, hey, man, this is what's going to happen. So I think it's I think it's a great trade. Yeah, absolutely. To you, Savon, like looking at this on from both sides, obviously Donovan Mitchell, he's 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 a a young rising star. We <clears> haven't <throat> seen as much consistency from him in the postseason, but now he's going to a Cleveland team that you know wants to get back into that consistent you know postseason run how do you think this works for both sides and just like what this new fit will be for him well before we even talked about the utah jazz getting rid of rudy gobert what they're going to do with davina mitchell what was the next step for utah jazz somebody had to be crazy enough to give them what they wanted for donovan mitchell donovan mitchell why is it always got to be the cavaliers to do the craziest things when it comes to trying to win um yeah. But I think they lost on this one. I think they lost. Really? I, Colin Saxon, I'm huge on him. I was, I was huge on him coming out of Alabama. They didn't offer him the contract. Um, they, yes, they have Garland. They have uh, a batter, Kevin Love. They have a Jarrett that hasn't lived up to expectations. <clears throat> excuse me. And a Donovan Mitchell that hasn't lived up to expectations. I, I don't know what they expect of Donovan Mitchell to do with this squad mm-hmm. or do it to themselves. Because he's not a CP3 who can go to an OKC team and make them transform them. better. Yeah, transfer the entire basketball team and make it right. to the playoffs. And you see what happened after CP3 left. They went back to 24 and whatever number that they had. I don't know what they expect Donovan Mitchell, a.k.a. Spider, to do. He, ha- he cannot finish in the postseason. 
He's 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 the best player when it comes to regular season. He's another James Harden. He's another. It's the list goes on. What do they expect him to do? I think they lost. They gave up way too much for a player that hasn't solidified himself in the postseason. So yeah. I, the, it, Garland is up. Guy, a guy is going to be up, but I just don't think they have enough to be like, okay, we can change this around in the next two three years. If you look at the ladder, he's already reached the ceiling to me and Donovan Mitchell. He's already reached that ceiling. It's no other. Uh, he's he's reached his cap, so there's another. There's no room for improvement for him in in my eyes, especially him having that that tenure with the Utah Jazz. So what's next for him? How do I win? You went to a team that hasn't won the championship since LeBron James. So now the expectation yeah. is high, but what specific expectations do they they see from Donovan Mitchell? I don't see it. I don't know. That's the that's the question I want answered. To you, Jeremy, like when you look at what Donovan Mitchell's done in his career so far and just like where he compares against the younger players and the, the young rising stars in the league, like what do you think about where he's at currently in his career and just what else he can do to like, you know, Savon feels as though he's hit, he's, hit, he's hit his limit. But what do you think, what else like do you think he can do going forward? I think that was a great point. I think they gave up a lot. You know, when I was reading there on ESPN, I was, I, I just couldn't believe how many draft picks they gave up. I thought that was a lot of picks and a lot of guys to give up. Um, you know, and not, I think, he, I think that's, that's fairly accurate as far as the ceiling part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're only, you're only, listen, man, you can put up all the stats you want during the season, man. But, you know, as a basketball coach, people only care about what you do in the playoffs, right? right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they don't care about, well, you didn't have this guy or you didn't have that guy. Don't nobody care about that, man. Like, <laughs> no, they they want to see the production. So, um, I mean, the East is getting tough, man. That, that I mean, they're, they're getting better. So. Um, I don't know how much better the Cavs got. Um, I think it's going to be great, man. It, 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 it'll be it'll be a great test for them. You know, you some people say they want to go and show that they can do it. Well, here's here's your opportunity. Right, so, yeah. Yeah. you know, you got to be careful what you ask for. Some, sometimes you get it. <laughs> sometimes you don't know where you're going to go. So he, he got it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now getting into R.J. Barrett finalizing his ascension with the Knicks and just, you know, um, how this is, is going to change what New York does for, for the, the rest of the offseason, you know, Earlier this week, the deal was finalized as a four-year rookie extension um, uh, contract that could be worth up to $120 million. And the still at the same time, you know, uh, it, it complicated, obviously, what they were trying to do going forward to, to getting other stars. But looking at, at, at just at this deal and just kind of like the current level R.J. Barrett is at, uh, to, to you, Jeremy, like, what did you think about this move for, for, for the Knicks and just also like what they're trying to do going forward? Because, you know, a couple of years ago, they were in the postseason and they've been close in, in terms of trying to like get the bigger stars, but now it's one of those things as though it seems as though they they keep getting pushed back and not really getting what they want in terms of getting like the marquee players uh, to their city. It's so funny, man, because I'm a Cowboys fan, so Stephen A's always dogging us. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a dog Stephen A for being a Knicks fan. It's like, come on, man, like you guys got it. He's been going through it. Point, He's been going man. through it as a Knicks fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Like I, I almost start to feel bad for him, man. Like, geez, hey, y'all can't get anybody to come. I don't, I mean, RJ Barrett's a great player. I mean, I think he's good. I've seen a lot of progress in in his game. You know, he was yeah. extremely left-handed. Uh, I think he's really kind of added, you know, quite a bit, but um, no, no, no drop off to him. I mean, he's a great player, but I just don't think the Knicks did enough to get to now. I, I love the fact that they're trying to get these big time guys, but I just don't think that they've, they've taken the next step, but man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about RJ Barrett, man. I, I love how he, how he plays, how he's, has game has matured. So mm. Um, and I think he's learning a lot from Julius Randle. You know, I think that's kind of been cool seeing those guys play together. So that's been, it's been cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to, to you, Savon, like looking at, at at what the Knicks were doing with this, and just also 
you know what they're what they're trying to do going forward and kind of kind of the, the, the mistakes that they've had in the past in terms of trying to make certain acquisitions and not being successful in it what are your thoughts on on their decision mm-hmm. to extend rj barrett and just you know what they have um going forward for this season I think they were looking at it as a long game. And we know the New York yeah. Knicks is a, a team, an organization who's willing to be patient and wait. We've seen that yeah. in multiple free agencies. They're they're a patient, they're a patient organization. I think they 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 they're still confident in RJ Barrett. And we talked about Donovan Mitchell reaching his ladder. I think RJ Barrett's ladder is visible. He hasn't reached that capacity just yet. He has room to improve. Has he lived up to expectations? No. Has his counterpart, Zion Williamson, lived up to expectations? No. But I think the latter is still visible for them to be those all-star players. And you look at their lineup. I mean, they have potential. They have a veteran, Evan Fournier, Mm -hmm. Jalen Bronson, uh, Julius Randle, who we thought had an improved season from from the bubble until now. And then you have a, a young guy, Mitchell Robinson, who's a Pensacola native. Who's just yeah. got the big contract too, and he—he's—I think he's going to be, I think, the pivotal part of their of, of their uh, defense. So I think they're looking at a long term. Why give up so much for a Donovan Mitchell or yeah. a Kevin Durant, where we feel like we have yeah. the team, and they still have Cam Reddish, who hasn't lived with expectations either. But I think they're looking at the long game. Eventually, these guys will uh, meet. Meet um meet their expectations and reach their ladder, but I think they're fine. Um, I think they have potential, but they just have to shape it some way, some form. I think they're. I think signing R.J. Barrett to a, a massive deal or extension is. I think it was a good idea. Long term, not right now. It's a, it's a long term decision. Yeah, yeah, long yeah, game. definitely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Um, and, and now getting into just just um, Shed Holgram's uh, season-ending injury and just you know how this affects OKC's season, OKC's current season. You know this was due to a, a Lisfandric injury to his right foot. The team announced last Thursday, and you know he sustained the injury early in the crossover program event while defending uh, LeBron on a fast break. But uh, mm-hmm. to you, like Jeremy, like what are your thoughts on this you know tough injury for Shed and just you know him you know missing his first first full season plus just how it affects OKC because there's been the the comments of like you know his. Yeah, having a skinny frame and him needing to bulk up for the NBA. Like, what do you, how did, how did you view this injury and just kind of like, you know, what he can do next year to, to, you know, get bigger and get better? I hated that, man. Yeah. I mean, there's one thing in basketball as a former player and coach, you never want anyone to get injured. That's mm-hmm. never, uh, you never want to see that. And then, especially for the Mrs. Rookie year and that mm-hmm. kind of injury. Yeah. And coming back from that injury, you never know how that foot's going to heal. Uh, I know medicine is different now, but I I hate that. As far Mm -hmm. as him getting stronger and bigger, you know, it's all about DNA and body. I don't know that he's ever going to be a super big guy. No, Um, I think he's really going to have to rely on that length and and, and just being a smart player. So I don't know he's ever going to really – get super big mm. but i think he's got to be like kd i mean you just yeah you that's the perfect example yeah. mm-hmm. you know um and there's been some other guys in the nba i mean you look at um what's my guy from memphis the point guard that jumps out the gym john morant john yeah. morant's not a super big dude now he can elevate yeah. but uh you got to be strong functional strength so i think he'll be fine there but i just i hate that for him man i hate that for okc they had a tough team last year, man. I thought they played hard. Younger yeah. team. Mm-hmm. I know they gave up a lot um, with trades and some different things, but I- I'm excited to see him get back with that team. I think that'd be pretty cool um, for him to get back. And but I'm ex- I'm excited for them. But I-, I hate that. I hate that injury. And and guys play in the summer because you want to yeah. get your body going. You want to stay in shape, and you need to play a little bit. But uh, I-, I heard those guys were really trying to do some pro ams, 
to get people to see them play that might not might not be able to see them yes. play in the NBA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I give those guys two thumbs up, man. Thank you for giving back to the communities. I think that's awesome. I just hate to see it had to end like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, to, to you, Savon, like, like looking at this injury, obviously very tough for a rookie to, to go to go through that before the season starts. What are your thoughts on that? And just also, you know, with OKC and and you know them kind of you know having a younger team that that that's trying to get back on the rise. How do you mm-hmm. how do you look at at that affecting them as well? So just to piggyback off what uh, Jeremy said, just kudos to these guys who are, you know, playing these, these free tournaments. Obviously, you want to, you know, work on some things or, you know, implement some things you was working on in summer against some star players or players that's pretty good. And you yeah. give the people uh, a show for free that people are you know, not capable of making those games. But for that, as an organization, OKC, I'm scratching my head like, I understand all that, but what's going on here? Then he adds to the list of guys that's already injured. Their star small, their starting small forward Dort is is injured. Mike mm. uh, Muscala is injured. Yeah. Uh, uh, Eugene uh, or whatever his last name is, he's injured. Adds to the laundry list of guys that's already injured. Yeah. Um, but it's it's gonna be tough. They're already a young team. Uh, CP3 left. And they were twenty four and something last year. So it's the transition. It was looking for Chet Holmgren to be the guy that kind of puts them into a realm that they're okay with, and then they'll build around him. But I do think this is a blessing in disguise for Chet Holmgren because he had a lot of expectations to to meet because they drafted him high. He's a guy, you know, from overseas, not a big guy. He resembled KD, but he's not Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant had to put in the work to be who he was, and Chet Holmgren will have to follow suit just like KD did. But I yep. think it will it kind of douses down the the expectations. The comeback year is going to be, you know, has expectation. But like being a rookie and coming in and knowing mm. what you can do is extremely difficult, especially with that type of team. You know, young team, not been you know that good. Head coaches inter interchanging, front office interchanging, no stability, and then your top guy that you just draft to get hurt. So it's yeah. So hopefully next year the expectations for him will be kind of you know you know, level playing field so he can focus truly on a basketball and trying to be the best player he can be. But man, as a GM, I'm like, yo, you, you're never playing a pro am again. Never. Oh, that's done. Ever, yeah, that's ever. done. It's, it's not done. happening again. Yeah. But it's a freak accident, you know. <laughs> yeah. Routine, you can't layup, predict that. Going for, yeah, you can't predict that. So, I mean, but for an organization who's already got so many injuries, man, that's, that's going to be, that's not even a blow anymore. That's, that's, that's an atomic bomb. That's a, that's yeah. a devastation there. Definitely. Um, and, and now getting into uh, the, the, the big news uh, a couple weeks ago of, of you know, Katie staying in Brooklyn and, and the Nets running it back. Um, you know, this was according to a statement from Nets general manager Sean Marks and both Nash and Marks, you know, are, are, are going to retain their jobs. Durant's four year, 198 million extension he signed last offseason will, will also uh, kick into this year. But looking at, at what Katie originally wanted and just, you know, all of the trade requests that, that were rumored and, and circulated, like to you, Jeremy, like what are your thoughts on this outcome and also just, you know, what this unit this current Nets unit has going forward because they were a team that obviously had a ton of expectations, traded Harden last year, got Ben Simmons, and now it's going to be the question of, you know, how this current big three will work out. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I was I was a little disappointed with 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 Kyrie and KD, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been very disappointed how they've handled themselves business business wise. Um I'm not even talking on the court right now, but I just think some of the things they've done, I wasn't necessarily understanding. You know, make a decision, go with it. As far as um, the Nets, 
let me be honest with you. When I saw them play the Celtics last year in the playoffs, the Celtics looked physically bigger, just more intimidating, stronger, yeah. like they've been putting time in the weight room. I was just not impressed with the Nets. To me, the Nets looked like what, uh, what when they had James Harden, it was just one-on-one, can I beat you basketball? Yeah. Yeah. It just wasn't – like that doesn't work, man. Like that doesn't – at the highest level, that does not work. So the Nets, to me, man, like unless they change some stuff, I don't think they're going to go very far. You can only go so far with just talent. Yeah. Um, You're going to have to learn how to play defense. You're going to have to guard. Mm -hmm. Um, So as far as what happened in the offseason, I think he was just trying to kind of maybe run some, call some bluff, run some shots, kind of pull the power a little bit. As far as them during the season, I mean, I hope Ben Simmons comes and does some great things. But uh, that East is tough, man. They they better toughen up a a whole lot more than what they did. They played a lot of finesse basketball, and that's just that's just not going to work anymore. So, yeah, absolutely. To, to you, Savon, like we 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 have been talking about this a, a lot throughout the year in terms of just like what what we expected from the Nets, what they how they looked on paper in terms of just like what translate on the court. Like, what are your thoughts on on KD staying this this current unit running it back, and also <clears> just the changes that they're going to have to make? Because, like Jeremy said, they can't they can't play the same type style of offense and expect to to go far. Well, there's a saying, you made your bed, you got to lie in it. I think he understood that there's no better opportunity for him as a basketball player to win a championship, to be top tier than Brooklyn Nets. But I do think the Brooklyn Nets will win the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm just going to say that. I'm going to say that now. Now that Kyrie is fully in and he will play a full season and they have now they have that type of chemistry that you need to be successful in the NBA. And you have a guy that's who hasn't played for a while, but I think he's bought into as well. And he's going to play power forward, hopefully, and Ben Simmons. And I think he will be a good power forward. And mm. I think they have that bench. Steph Curry's coming off the bench. Mm. They have some yeah, other solid guys player. mixed in, solid player mixed in. I think they can go the distance. They they almost went the distance last year, but they got, you know beat by a more well-oiled machine in the Celtics. And I think once you have a full season with Kyrie there, he's missing in and out games. Ben Simmons in a distraction. KD can't do it all by himself with that lineup. So I think they're going to be okay. I think they can win the East. I think they can be in the top three in the East. If they get in and do what they're supposed to do and have that chemistry, it's not hard. They have the talent. I think if they have that chemistry and they buy into yeah. what Steve Nash is going to do and Kyrie doesn't bump hands with Steve Nash – and say he didn't deserve that MVP, which he didn't. He didn't deserve it. Kobe did. <laughs> yeah, Kobe definitely did. You can't tell your head coach that, bro. You cannot <laughs> tell your head coach that. But yeah. I think if everybody's on the same page, which is extremely difficult, even for these grown men we're, we're talking about, but if everybody buys in and the chemistry's there, they're going to be fine. I think they can win the East. To, to you, Jeremy, like looking at the East, like what? Because to me, like the Celtics, they definitely stand out. Milwaukee, like I, if I had to put if I had to put a bet on a team that I think that would win the East, I would put I would say Milwaukee because I think Chris Middleton not being there last season really affected yeah. them. Like, like, what are your thoughts on just like the early like top tier teams? And Savon's not agree. <laughs> what are kind of your thoughts on the early top tier teams of the East like for next year? Yeah, I, I like the Celtics, and I like you know you're gonna have to beat the guys that just won. So I like the Celtics. Mm-hmm. I, I like the I like the Bucks. I like teams that play defense, man, and that yeah. really learn how to move that ball and and and. You know, a lot of people talk about Steph Curry and those guys shooting the ball real well, but they play some decent defense, man. Yeah, they, lock like in. they rotate. They so teams that do that, 
your shot might not be there every night, but your defense can be. And I, that's kind of what I, I really like to see in the NBA is those guys that can lock down. So I like those two teams. I think Brooklyn's got some great talent. They just didn't oh, buy in on the defensive yeah. end, man. And talent does not do anything if you don't play defense. You don't not box out. You're not – I mean, those guys got to get in the weight room, man. Like, that was that was a huge – that was a big deal, man. Like, they were just getting yeah. physically yes. man- manhandled. Yes. Um, and uh, at some point in time, man, like – KD used to be there, man. But I'm just telling you that Jason Tatum He's and rising up the Brown, ranks. man, those dudes yeah. are they're climbing up. They're hungry, man. They they haven't been getting it. And you know, your boy Giannis is gonna be hungry. So it's 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 gonna be fun, man. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um and, and now getting in, into uh, you know, Patrick Beverly heading to the Lakers and just thoughts on what, what the <laughs> LA's next move might be. You know, it, it's one of the craziest headlines. I, I never thought I would see Beverly <laughs> Beverly going there after all the history he, he's, he's had with Russ and, and L.A. Like, um, but you know, the, the Jazz sent him to the Lakers in exchange for Taylor Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson, and um, it also became official last Thursday. But you know, looking at, at Beverly, you know, being at, at the at the tail end of his career, just how he affected Minnesota last season as well. Like, to you, Jeremy, like, what are your thoughts on this move, and also just what it might mean for L.A. going forward in terms of like what their next moves might be. I don't know what their next moves are going to be, man. But if you guys haven't seen that interview he had the other day, man, you got to go watch that. He looked the reporter in the eye and was like, who was holding LeBron James accountable? I'm going to be that guy that's yeah. going to tell him to tighten up on the defensive end when he didn't play defense. And I'm sitting there like, ooh, ooh, ooh this is going to be interesting, you know. Yeah. As far as an actual move goes, to me, I mean, Patrick Bell is one of the best defenders in the, in the league, I think, uh, can, can get in your head. How he meshes with that team, I I don't know, man. I think that's going to be interesting. But uh, you got to have a lockdown defender. You know, you can't have your best guy on the team scoring all the points and then guarding your bet. Like, that wears on you. So, I think that'll be great. As far as how he meshes with the team, I, I don't know, man. That's that's going to be an interesting one to see. What they still need. They, you know what's really been rumored? Play. It's been rumored they're trying to get Buddy Hill to Miles Turner from Indiana. So, that's been the rumor. That would be a good move. Which I think would, would, would be a good move. They got to get some youth. They got to get. I, I think they got to get a guy like Rajon Rondo, man. That they they're missing a point guard, man. A true point guard that's going to get those guys lined up, get them in the right system, play defense. I think that maybe not Rondo, but a guy like that. Mm-hmm. So maybe Beverly can be that guy. I don't know, but he's going to play defense, man. He's going to get in the other guy's head. So that's going to be some interesting one on ones with him and Russ in <laughs> practice. <laughs> I love to be a fly on the wall to see that. Definitely. <laughs> to, to you, Savon, like, what are your thoughts on, on this move? And also, like. like you know, he's a lockdown defender, as we all know, and just kind of like that tenacity that he's going to bring to the Lakers. That's it. I, I get I get why they do that, because I mean, adding to that, what, you know, Jeremy just said with the have missing that Ray John Rondo figure, Pat Bev, I think can fit. He was that for the Timberwolves. He brought that tenacity to the Timberwolves. He brought that edge to the Timberwolves like Green does that for the the uh, mm-hmm. wow. The Warriors, Warriors, Warriors. <laughs> go and say, defending champs. He does that for the Warriors, so I, I get it. He's not going to give you fit. He'll give you probably 10, mm. 10 but he's going to give you some <clears throat> the extra edge. But I do yeah. think he's going to be that extra uh, voice, that that voice for LeBron. LeBron was wearing, like he said, was wearing different hats last season. He mm. had to be different, a different player. LeBron, if we're if we give LeBron what he's used to. And he's not having to do everything. Like when they had the bubble, when they won in the bubble, Ray John was that guy. LeBron had to, and didn't have mm-hmm. to look over his back shoulder 
And I think mm-hmm. Pat Bev is not, I don't think mentally as strong as Ray John, but I think he has that edge that they're missing. Mm-hmm. And I think that will that will help out LeBron because he don't want to have to be like, oh, okay, I trust Pat. He's going to do, Pat, I believe Pat is going to do what he do. Like he couldn't trust Russ. <laughs> he couldn't trust AD. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't, AD <laughs> yeah. can't even trust his knees. So I don't, yeah. So I think I get the Pat Bev move. For who they who they else they need. I think they need a guy who's going to be a consistent three point shooter. Mm-hmm. Who is that? There's not many out there right now. There's rumors saying yeah. that Cam Reddish is looking to. Uh, they're looking to go get Cam Reddish from the Knicks. I mean, that would be a decent move. Yeah. But in the back end, I'm just not sure if that that's a good enough move to go get Cam Reddish. But they do need a guy who's yeah. going to be consistent, a consistent three point shooter. If they would have got Seth Curry, that would have been big for them. <sighs> That would have been so big for them because he's going to knock down and he's going to play defense for you. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think the move with Pat Bev, was, it was a good one, but they need a, a consistent three-point shooter. They're missing that. They're missing the, the guy that come off the bench and knock him down. Definitely. I, I, and and looking at the West, like to you, Jeremy, like in terms of just if they're able to possibly get a, 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 a quality perimeter shooter and, and, and can make some different moves, like – what like where would you put them in terms of uh, of the top eight and and the West? Like, do you think they can be able to get back into the postseason and possibly have you know a, a decent playoff run compared to to what happened this this past year? I, I think they still got to add a couple pieces, man, because the West is deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, the team people yeah. don't talk about man. Everybody still wants them to get one, man. Chris Paul's gonna have to get him one in Phoenix. You know, Phoenix is a tough team, man. Like, yeah. that's that's a that's a deep conference, so. For, for LeBron and those guys to get back, I think they're going to have to play some great basketball. They're going to have to stay healthy. I mean, what do all coaches say? When you win a championship or you play long or you get in far, there's there's a little bit of luck that goes in that thing, man. Like, you got to have the injury things got to go right. The mm-hmm. players have got to mesh and click. Um, general man, like, it's there's a lot of moving parts in that thing. So I, I think they could, uh, but I think they're going to have to – the the guy for me, man, Davis AD's got to step up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's yes. really gonna have to. Yeah, he's got to play out of his mind, man. Because when he plays well, nobody can guard him. But I mean, you're getting younger guys coming in that can that that can play, man. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and after transitioning to college football, with with kind of thoughts on on the the Notre Dame Ohio State game, you know, this is kind of like the premier marquee matchup for this upcoming weekend, and you know, both teams are ranked as preseason top five uh, opponents with Ohio State. Uh, number two in Notre Dame is number five. And, you know, the one thing that has, you know, constantly been reiterated is that the Buckeyes offense is just so versatile and there isn't one area that you can focus on. But uh, to you, Jeremy, like, what are your thoughts on this matchup and and who who do you kind of think should have the edge early on? It's a tough one, man, because Notre Dame beat my Seminoles in the the last year, (laughs) man. That that field goal, that was tough, man. Um, I'm really rooting for Notre Dame's coach, Freeman. I really want to see him do well, uh, their new head coach. As far as Ohio State, you know, from the South, we don't ever root for Ohio State. Yeah, here, no, so, never, uh, never. I, I can't, rule. I can't see myself rooting <laughs> for Ohio State. So if I had to choose someone I'd like to see win, I'm not a fan of either. But it'd, it'd be good to see my man uh, Freeman there, the head coach, get get it, get a dub there. I mean, I think it's going to be a great. I think it's going to be a great game, man. Yeah. Like, how many quarterbacks transferred from Ohio State, man? Like oh. they had some guys in their quarterback room. So that, I mean, to me, that right there says a lot. Uh, like it or love it, man. Their head coach is a great offensive mind as well. So um, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it. Yeah. I think it comes down to anything. Who who's going to turn the ball over? Who's going to be able to have great special teams? And who's going to give up those big plays? 
you know, so it, it's going to be explosive. I think wide receiver, I think um, Ohio State's got some pretty explosive wide receivers as well. So this thing is going to be it's going to be fun, man. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm excited to see how it goes down. Absolutely. T- to you, Savon, like, what are your early thoughts on this matchup, and just kind of like, who, who do you feel as though possibly should have the edge in terms of you know who has the the, the more pivotal X factor? You know, I think it's going to. We always think about the quarterback, the running back, the wide receivers, the DBs, whatever. I think this game is going to be won in the trenches. And I think we, we I always look at Notre Dame as a running team first because they love going into information and they depend heavy on the run game. They're, mm-hmm. all, they're possibly going to be out without their All-American candidate, uh, Jared Patterson, left guard from a sprained ankle. Mm-hmm. He's he's pivotal to their, their run game. And I think if he doesn't play, it's gonna it's gonna show. I don't know who they're gonna replace him with, but I think it's gonna be a game time decision. But it's gonna be one in the trenches. Notre Dame is big on running the ball. I would have loved playing for Notre Dame, put my fingers in the ground, and let's let's go at it. But I think when we think of Ohio State, they they always have some uh, phenomenal defensive ends. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, front seven guys like you know the you know Bosa's have been there. Uh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, the, forgot the guy. Chase. It wasn't Jones. Not Chase Jones. Wow. Uh, from I uh, went to uh, Chase Young. Chase, Chase Young. Chase there we go. Chase Young. Big guys yeah. like that. They love. It's always running the trenches. Thank you. But um, I don't know. I, quarterback situation. They're in and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think it's gonna be one of the if they can get the running game. Both teams get the running game started. Open up some play action. Get the quarterback settled down. And it's going to be it's going to be a star set again because both of these teams are coming off good seasons last year. Both came up short. So let's see what they have in the tank. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and looking outside of this matchup, like in terms of like what's the most interesting, interesting game besides this, like like the one I, I would point to is Georgia, Oregon. I think that, that that's going to be another really interesting matchup, seeing the defending champs start off the season against a, a quality uh, a Pac-12 opponent like Oregon. To you, Jeremy, is there any other game um, upcoming uh, 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 for, 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 for this week in college football that you think might be like a really intriguing one or, or just, you know, a, a very like interesting type, type of game? Yeah, I'm, I'm scrolling through the through the games right now just to kind of see. I think that Alabama, Texas game is going to be interesting, mm. you know, from just some of the back some of the backstories from that. Right. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Florida does their first game. Utah's at Florida. Save That's not team. an easy game, team. Yes, uh, Utah's sneaky good, man. That yes. I think that that one right there could be um, an interesting one. There was another one that I saw when I was just kind of scrolling through the other day. Um, Texas A and M, man, like they play Appalachian State. Whenever you play Appalachian State, you always think of that Michigan game. You know what oh, happened yeah. on that that last yeah. kick. You know, so I think Texas A and M's pretty your guards tough up. Yeah, your guard, but you you've got to be thinking that. So. Um, I'm just scrolling through. I don't see any other ones that I would think would cause any issues. I mean, there, there always can be, but man, it's like you just said earlier, you said on paper, <laughs> we don't play paper sports, baby. We yeah. play sports on the field, on the court. So you never know what can happen when that thing goes down. So it'd be interesting. Definitely. To, to you, Savannah, are there any, any, I know the Florida game is definitely going to stand out to you, yeah, but are, oh, are, are sure, there, man. are there, are there any other games that, that are kind of the, the intriguing ones for you? I'll have to go Oregon ducks and the Georgia Bulldogs. Cause yeah. We have a three-year guy who's played against uh, Georgia and hasn't had a good season or good games uh, while playing them. It's Bo Nix, and they and the Oregon Ducks are mm. expecting to start Bo Nix in this game. And I, I just, after three years, because he was a true freshman for Auburn, 
how many or how much film did you watch and how prepared is Bo Nix to go against the defender champs that he's played against for three years straight and has not won a game? So it was a different team, different environment. What can he bring to this Oregon Ducks offense? Are they going to throw a lot? Are they going to pin on it the uh, the you know the RPO the run play, run play uh, run play play action? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do against Georgia? And can Georgia defense and special teams get them to the point they got them last year? A lot of guys have you know went to the yeah. draft are doing big things. What do they have left in the tank? I know the offense is going to be good, but their defense at defense won the championship to me. They got them there. Mm-hmm. Special teams got them there. So I'm interested to see mm-hmm. what Georgia Bulldogs can bring to the table and what Bo Nix can do. I think that's going to be an interesting one. Oregon's number 11. Georgia's number three. Let's see what happens. So, okay, Bo Nix, yeah. it's your time to shine for the fourth time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> three, buddy. Redemption. Yeah, redemption. The redemption story. Um, and I'll get into the NFL. Just thoughts on Tom Brady's, you know, recent absence um, from the Bucks for eleven days. Uh, Brady recently spoke for the first time since his eleven day absence, um, tending to what have been described as personal matters. Um, he also said that Saturday he felt good and that it, you know it, it was not a difficult decision to step away for, from the team at that particular time. Um, but to you, Jeremy, like, what are your thoughts on, on Brady? You know, you know, taking some time away and just thoughts on on what his mindset will be for another year because he originally had that retirement, then then came back. And it seems as though it's one of those things where as Brady is, 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 is as motivated as ever in terms of just, you know, anytime he comes off a postseason loss. But what are your thoughts on just his, his particular absence from the Bucks and just, you know, what he has going forward? Yeah. So I was working out in the gym and I actually saw his interview on ESPN or, or ESPN was playing it. Mm-hmm. And when I was working out, I was like, something ain't right. Something, something ain't right with Tom Brady, man. Like you can just tell. I don't know if there's a hesitancy or if there's something going on, but something's kind of got his attention to where I don't feel like he's a hundred percent in right now. So mm-hmm. I hope he's okay, man. Like I hope somebody's really checking on him, make sure his mental health is good, make sure he's yeah. okay physically. You know, a lot of people just want to see production. What are you gonna do for me next? Right. But you don't actually check on the person. So I hope he's okay. Um, He's a great guy, man. I hope I hope he does well. You know he's going to be motivated. He hates to lose. Um, I just I hope he's not trying to play and do things for other people, and he's really truly one thousand percent ready to roll. Because uh, that's how you get injured, man. That's how you get hurt. That's how things happen. Yeah. Uh, I hope he. I hope he's. I hope he's good to go. I mean, I want to have too good of a game against my boys, but yeah, I hope he's. Uh, I, I hope he's okay, man. I'm a sports guy, so I don't ever want to see people hurt, man. Or yeah. But I could just tell something something was going on family wise with him. Definitely. Um, to, to you, Savon, like looking at at the situation, you know, Brady being away, obviously it, mm. it's different. You know, we're we're not used to always seeing that happen with, with Brady. Like, what were your thoughts on that? And just you know, also like you know, it, it there's there's things off the field that it can even challenge the greatest ever, and they're just personal matters that sometimes players have to think about than just what's on the field and what they have to do every year. Yeah. But, okay. People act like he was gone for like five months. Yeah, they were, they were dramatic. He's being built it up. Like they were like, <laughs> Brady's back. <laughs> two weeks. That's it. <laughs> He's not going to play in a preseason anyway. So like he right. played, he, he was gone for two weeks, 11 days. I'll give you two weeks, 11 days. You need to step away. Like, it's okay. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's, he's not like he's not bought in or he's not ready. Like Jeremy said, he's fully ready to, but sometimes you got to step away because he's a father. He's a husband. He's a business owner. He's a friend. He's blah, blah, blah. Like, he has other hats besides goat quarterback, goat player that ever, you know, played football. So, 
You need those times to just step away. It's 11 days. Come on. Be easy. Come on. Come on, guys. Yeah. They're going back to the playoffs. Come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> we, are, we, all, we all know. Yeah. We already know that. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> they, they got the squad. They got the team. Yeah. Just, it's 11 days. Just, you know, chill. They, it's a story. Everybody wants a story. It's a story oh, line. Tom Brady didn't eat his Wheaties this morning. Like, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> come on. Um, and, and now getting into to, to, to thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, coming back in San Francisco, you know, obviously Trey Lance it, it has been named the starter, but with him coming back for one season, you know, it's a, it's a one-year contract that's worth $6.5 million in fully guaranteed base salary. And um, Garoppolo's re- restructured contract also includes a, a no trade and no tax clause that ensures, you know, he'll serve as the backup to Trey Lance this season. And then, you know, we'll be able to explore unrestricted free agency in 2023. Um, but to you, Jeremy, like looking at Garoppolo coming back to San Francisco, being in a different role now, you know, he, he's led them to a Super Bowl before, been to the NFC Championship last year. What are your thoughts on his role with them? And also just, you know, what San Francisco uh, uh, can do going forward? Because they were just in the NFC Championship last year, but still have a really good roster with a young quarterback. I thought that was big time, man, for them to get him back. I thought for sure he was gone. Mm. You know, a guy like that, I've got plenty of, you know, I've got a few years in me that are good. I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to start. Um, but that just comes to show, man, you, you know, you never know what can happen as far as, and I, what I've heard somebody say, man, in order to win a good championship, you always need a decent backup quarterback. Um, I play yeah. for $6.5 million for a year. That might not get you much out in California. That's what they guys got, but <laughs> Uh, I, I really thought he was going to get traded, but I love the professionalism of how he handled it. If you guys can trade me, great. If not, I'm going to be back ready to roll. I'm going to help this cat out if I can. I'm going to be ready to play regardless. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I, I, that takes a lot, man. That, that, that's a that's a very humble man to be able to do that. So uh, I hope it works out for San Francisco. I hope they do great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've got – is Debo Samuel back on that team, man? That's that they got a great yeah. player there, so – um, a lot of talent. He, he's phenomenal. I mean, all you got to do is hike the ball and get it to him, man. Like, <laughs> too hard. So, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, to, to, to you, Savon, like, looking at this, um, at, at Garoppolo coming back another year, San Francisco is just a, a very, very talented team. Ha, has been, has been, you know, been in the Super Bowl, been the NFC Championship last year. Like, like they, they are always competing at the top, especially with, with, with Shanahan and the play calling he can do. Like, what are your thoughts on Garoppolo coming back and just, you know, what what his role can be going forward for a really a really good NFC team. You know, everyone has a security blanket uh, or a backup plan. I would say because it's once it's you know NFL or any organ any sport is a business first, so you want to have that backup plan. If Jordan Love doesn't live up to the expectations or do what he's supposed to do, now they have Jimmy for a backup plan as possible um, to you know make sure they're they're straight. But I think Jordan Love is more than capable of doing so. But you want to have that backup play. And probably nobody wanted Jimmy Garoppolo at the price or what they were asking for. So his, his value went down once you lose a Super Bowl, once you lose in the conference championship, when you keep losing, um, your, your value goes down. But I think it was a per, it's perfect position for Jimmy to be in just in case Jordan Love doesn't live up to expectations or live up to his, uh, what he needs to do. Well, well, Jeremy, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on, uh, and, and just as, as many times as you've been on in the past. And thank you so much for being back on, sir. It was it was great. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I love what you guys are doing. Keep it up. Stay encouraged, man. Like keep keep doing what you love. I, some kid came in my class today. 
Uh, and he said, man, coach, I got a dream, man. Is it crazy? And I said, no, man, don't ever, don't ever stop dreaming, man. Sure. So I love that you guys have probably thought this thing out. You dreamed it. Yeah. Now you're living your dream and you're doing something you love, man. So congrats. Keep it up. And I'm humbled to be on, man. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our album reviews. And to start off with, with the first album review with uh, Jid's The Forever Story review and just kind of like where this album ranks among the best this year. Um, you know, this is his third long-awaited third studio album that captured just, you know, so much of his lyricism and versatility. Um, it ha- has a boom-bap mode, you know, just recaptures the sound that made just so many dedicated hip-hop fans fall, fall in love with him originally. But what are your thoughts on this album and just, you know, the, the strongest elements of it? Because, I mean, Jid... We've even said it in the past, like he he doesn't miss. Like this album to me was just was just masterful, and just not him, just only having phenomenal rapping, but just artistry, you know, yeah. in general, and just the features he was able to put on it. He, he really put put together a, a great body of work. Man, and I think I've said this before. He finds ways to make his verses so interesting outside of his writing ability. It's his melodies yeah. within the verses. I mean, the hooks are were always always nice. They're you know, they're catchy. They're they have some you know oomph to them. But it's the verses that because you always remember the hooks or the oh, chords yeah. or whatever. But the verses sometimes you hear a few bars. But when it comes to Jid, the man, I just don't like. I'll be <laughs> I'll be baffled <laughs> sometimes. Like, yo, how do you find that within the beat? How do you hear that? that melody, that specific melody, and then you know how to switch it back to something else. And it's just like, it's crazy. Like That's his crazy. ability to, to write, his ability to find melodies within the verses to keep them interesting so it doesn't seem like you just the bouncing ball when he, when somebody raps. <laughs> or, but he yeah. switches it up so crazy and it's so effortlessly. Then he goes back into another tone and pitch. Man, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Not a lot of people can do that. And Jid is definitely one of them who's mastered, like, truly mastered it. But, yeah, man, this, yeah, 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 yeah. He's, yeah, like, he checks boxes. This this was phenomenal. Um, in in terms of just like favorite tracks, I mean, Radar to to me was, was a, was a really good one. Can't punk me. Um, definitely, um, stars. I, I, th- I yes. think stars, stars was an amazing track. Money yes. and also just in time. Like, were there were there any tracks on, on here that you kind of felt as though like like were the, the main standouts and just some of the best ones? Hey, well, first of all, you get most deaf on here. Yes, as, and he as went we by said. his real name, which is which is kind of cool. <laughs> Y'all get bait. Uh, Radar, yeah, Radar was fire. Dance now grew on me. I mean, and then you have uh, Can't Pump Me with Earth Game. I'm a huge fan of both of them. Yeah, I mean they're they're used to this spill village. Like I mean they they know how to work with each other. They know what they know what works. Mm -hmm. Um, mm, uh, yeah, just in town with Lil Wayne was a good one. Better days is growing on me. Um, but yeah, radar radar is my favorite. That's how you start an album. That's I I was about to say like he picked the right he picked the right intro. Mm -hmm. I mean I I, like he he had the 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 galaxy one that was just kind of like a short like. You know, 30 yeah. to 45 second something something to build you up. But radar just as the first official song, like, man, switched so many so many flow patterns and styles. It, it, it was bonkers. Well that, that was yeah. I just want to <laughs> be in the room. Just I don't want to I don't say nothing. I'm in the room. Yeah, just I'm, the wall. I'm taking I'm the wall. notes. I'm taking notes, yeah. No, 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 no. Not a flow on the wall. I want to sit in the room. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, you actually want to be in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I feel like you. a little kid. I feel you. Like, bro, <laughs> how are you? Like, I just want to take notes. Yeah. When you're writing, how do you write? Because mm. it's different for most artists. How I write, it's like, you know, listen to the beat. Or I try to fix something that I already wrote that I thought was dope. I don't know if he does that. Like, I just want to see how you write. How does your mind, like, think of different melodies within the verse? Like, come on, bro. Is it just like, do you think about it hard? Do you just like, all right, I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to go to the next song and come back. Like, I just want to, his process. That's all I want to know. I just want to know how he writes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, And, mm. and like, to, to, to you, like, what, what are some of your, like, best best albums this year or like best rap albums this year that you would say that you would compare this to and just you know put it put it at the top best rap albums ooh um this I think this was definitely top seven mm-hmm. uh, 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 I would have to put Ben Staples up there Vince Staples was uh, a good one Kendrick. uh Kendrick uh what's his uh Lupe Fiasco. Lupe Fiasco, yeah. I'm 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 infatuated with how he rhymes and his cadence. Yeah. Lupe Fiasco's album was really dope to me. Um, there's another one. Joey um, Batty. So, Joey, yes, thank yeah. you, thank you. Because there's so many albums that I've listened to this year. Uh, Sire the Kid was a good one for me. It was in my top seven. I think he's he's so underrated. Um, Reasons didn't drop this year. Uh, he dropped a single. It's a, but I think this is definitely top seven. I'm, I'm thinking oh, I'm sure. missing a bunch of, of other albums, but this is definitely top seven. Saba, it, Saba as well. Yeah. yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah. Saba was, Saba was dope too. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Did I like Saba's? I won't put it in my top seven. But not, not in your top seven. Okay. Not in my top seven. I won't put it in my top seven. But this is like number five or number six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah. But this was, this was definitely dope. Like, yeah, he's. He's up there. He's underrated too. Like I, I, I don't know what his fan base is like or what his numbers are like when he first dropped, but I, I know that he, he has it. He, mm-hmm. he has the it factor. He got everything. Oh yeah. He can freestyle off the top of the head. He's his hooks be dope. He can. He got bars for days. He's lyric, <laughs> lyrical. His his melodies are insane. It's just like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like he check boxes. You know what I mean? And he's cool, cool. I watched some of his interviews. Cool, dude's collected, man. Cool, cool collected, collected, dope guy. Like, yeah, really like him. Down to earth, but he knows he's he knows he's that guy. Though. He knows he's, he's that. Love. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he walks around him. the confidence like, yeah, I'm I'm him. I'm really him. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah I don't. It's not a lot of people whose pen can match his pen. Mm-mm. No, nah, no. definitely. Um, and now and now getting into kind of you know obviously this has been a verse that everybody has talked about. Everybody's had some type of thoughts on in terms of, in terms of, of Jay Z's a uh, guided verse and. You know, w- you know, looking at it in terms of, in terms of j- j- just the length of it, you know, him talking about, you know, the human cost of, of disconnect between past and present, obviously being an eloquent advocate for criminal justice reform and just, you know, adding also adding a moment of, of, of grown reflection. Like, what are your thoughts on this verse and just, you know, what Jay was able to cover throughout it? Because, you know, no matter obviously like he's had a lot, uh, there have been so many better verses th- th- than this. To me, this, yes. this was a good verse, but. To put it like in top ten, like some people were just like they're about to crown it. Like call, I'm like guys, like Jay. I can. I was listening yeah, to so many Jay Z songs and albums like in the past week in terms of just like what's better. Yes. And like you can, you there's a lot you can pick from. Show me what you got. Verse yeah. is better than this verse. Yeah. Come on, bro. Like his first, his first eight or twelve bars made made people go crazy. Like how many billionaires I made. Like he said, no, wait, wait. His verse 
with Drake's um Love All. No, not Love All. Oh no, um, um Nothing Pound Was the Same. Pound Cake, Pound Cake. Yeah, Pound Cake is yeah, better yeah, than this yeah, verse. Yeah, yeah. That was that was that's a that's that's amazing. That's an amazing verse. Come on, man. So this I think it's just he made billionaires, but after a while, I was like, he's not really talking about nothing. He because he freestyles. But but kind of getting into like your closing thoughts on this verse and, and just like you know what he was able to add in through it because like there there are points in the artist's career where you can tell like he's at the he's just, he's just, he's he's at the peak like everybody knows he's solidified as one of the goats in hip hop. Mm-hmm. It's a different level. So I heard somebody was saying like he doesn't he 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 can flow so well skill, but there's a different level of just like perspective he's at. It's just like it's no longer I'm on the come up. It's look I'm literally a billionaire. The the people I that my acquaintances I, I I'm with it's just completely different. I can't relate right. to what you guys are going through. So it definitely was a like to you like what were your thoughts on just like the different level of just the lifestyle that he's talking about and just you know the the, the different space he's in. It wasn't you know what I mean I if I got a grade I'll give it a B minus because like like I said it was eight to twelve oh I'll give it eight between eight to sixteen bars that he had because the verse is like four minutes long. Yes, it's long like, verse. After he talked about, you know what I'm saying, was in the office, now we in the corner office. After that bar, it kind of like waned. So it wasn't more so like an intellectual flow. He was just stating the obvious, really. Like, I mean, the billionaire bar was fire. Um, yeah, was fire. The office bar was really, really dope. Like, it was okay. But I think Pound Cake, to me, Pound Cake verse was I really... Been, I had been just for you had braces. <laughs> that was crazy. Man made more. If he wasn't in his feelings, he was talking his talk on that on that bro. song, man. He was talking. Now his he got on that a carrot song. cake. Like, bro, that verse is top five. Why well, people ain't going crazy on that verse? Man. I still listen to this day. Yeah, he, he didn't murder Drake, but he got Drake. He got Drake on that one. He got he Drake, got on, that Drake on that verse. He got yeah. Drake not, on that not, verse. Not a lot of people have gotten Drake on the verse, but he got mm-hmm. him on that one. But Jay, that verse, and then. Yeah, yeah. His verse with well, his verse on um "Don't Kill My Vibe" was it was mm, that was straight, but Pound Cake was definitely top five. But this yes. this not even top fifteen, bro. You know how much music this man got? That's the thing, the extensive catalog of music he's made. You can't you can't put something like this already up there. Y'all so. thinking the first sixteen bars? He had it's a four minute verse. Not yeah, no, it's yeah, I want to say four minute, but it's a long verse. It's a long verse, man. I yeah, was what's gonna have down like how long has he been? How long is forty five seconds? <laughs> what's Wayne up with Ross? 45. Like, now transitioning to our to our Larry June space spaceships on a, on a Blade review. You know, this is his eighth eighth full length album. You know, as there's you know a, a symphonic opener, a lot of just luscious uh, luscious luscious tone to it. You know, featuring co production from DJ Khalil and just the overall sound of the album is you know admirably admirably diverse. Like. When you look at this album and just kind of like the different producers, um, you know, he was able to have on it and just like the the West Coast feel of it. Like, what were your thoughts on this album and just kind of like what he was what he was putting together overall? This is eighth album. Yeah, it's eighth point album. <laughs> I didn't like this, Wellington. Really? It's, I don't know if this is the West Coast vibes, bro. I didn't I didn't really vibe with this one. Like, I like a couple of Larry June songs, like the song he got with... Uh, but a full album, you're like, nah. Full, yeah, at, after a while, I was like... It's like um, Blacks or... Bla- I never can remember how he pronounces his Blacks. stage name. Blacks. Yeah. Like, Blacks is different. His West Coast is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's catchy as a vibe. And how he raps in that... It's not even how it's... I think it's the West Coast because the future... Feature, with the feature with 2 chains. 
Because how two chains rapped on the beat, I was like, yeah, it's the beats. It's the production. It's the beats. It's it's yeah it's yeah because I like two chains two chain my top ten two chains can rap oh he's fire but yeah this wasn't yeah I think it's the beats like I like Larry June as a rapper because he's different and how he raps because it's it's like a like a slow but yeah it's like it hits but it's just certain like yeah I can't do a full uh, album with the West twenty one songs <laughs> <sighs> with the same same. It seems like the same version of the previous beat. It just changes a few mm. things about it. I just, and yeah, that, I just can't do it. And that was another, another thing I wanted to get into because there were because because overall I did like this album, but I feel as though what kept it from being really good was that it got repetitive. Yes. Like like throughout, like you like like even even with with what you were saying in terms of just like certain songs, like kind of like continuing what a previous song's production sounded like. Do you feel as though that that may have been like one of the top main issues with this project was that? It just wasn't as diverse throughout, and it kind of like 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 we mentioned with, with Jid earlier, there wasn't yeah. that one one point where we felt as though it was getting repetitive or just like the same. Like he was switching it up. This one, mm-hmm. it felt as though like it was just like very stagnant and just going throughout the same route, same pitch, same tone. Because he doesn't rap it different. He doesn't change in the pitches. His flow is the same with each song. So if you're gonna do that, you're gonna have to have different production. You're gonna have to have beat drops. You're gonna have to keep the listener engaged. But if it's the same beats. In the same voice, in the <laughs> same like after a while, you be like after I think it was like uh, song number six. I was like, he ain't gonna, they ain't gonna switch out the beats. He ain't gonna, <laughs> what are we not doing? Switch it up. We not gonna switch it up. So it's just like I, I like him as an artist, but I think albums. I I I thought about this. I like Larry June and dosages. Mm. Like I'm not a. a a super fan or a fan. I wouldn't call myself a fan of Larry June. I like a couple, I like at least probably one track of his and got with Dej Loaf um, because it's different because she has auto tunes on it. She's singing the hook and it's the beat is kind of different. But like, yeah, for this one, nah, like it's the same thing over and over. And I know when he sends these to, for the feature, I know 2 Chain was like, bro, how I'm going to do this? I got, I need the money though. I gotta do it. I gotta forget. But two chains verse, it didn't feel like he fit with the beat either for um for still booming. Mm. It didn't feel like he fit the uh the beat at all. So yeah, this yeah, mm. I I wasn't vibing with this one. It didn't 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 work. Mm-hmm. And, and and even certain like I'm I'm gonna tell you like the alch the 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 breakfast at Monaco with with the alchemist. The alchemist is able to like. He really can save some artists, honestly, because his product, he never misses with, misses with his production. Like he's just one of those producers overall, like he's just always going to elevate in what an artist artist can do. And I feel as though like that was a, a great uh, a collaborator to have. Like, are, are there any other producers that you can look at in hip hop in terms of just like when an artist ha- has them, it's going to be very hard for them to like not do well on a song with their production in terms of just, just like the level of output that, that, that they really give. Boy Wonder, for sure. Yeah. Um, mm, uh, 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 it's all OVO. Um, dang it, why? Why I can't remember his name now. Drake's m- main producer, name 40? Yeah, 40, yeah, 40, 40 kills it. Um, Kanye, mm-hmm. Kanye rarely, rarely misses when it comes to production because he's he started as a producer. He's dude, dude can make a sample out of anything or make anything. it be out of yeah, anything. So I, but I, I, my top one producers right now is Alchemist and Boy Wonder. Like Boy Wonder has grown over the years, and his production is because he's worked with so many different artists. So and Alchemist does too, 
and I think Alchemist is like really funny. So I think I connect <laughs> more with Alchemist because of uh you know Action Bronson and the the show that they were on together. Um, but yeah, those yeah those those mm, those three yeah, Forty Alchemist, uh, Boy Wonder, Kanye. Uh, I can't think of another uh producer right now, but though yeah they they don't miss. Yeah, because Forty created a whole ocean wave sound that was a pivotal part of Drake's. Yes. Boy Wonder does like his 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 beat like his interchanging of where to put a eight away or what mm-hmm. like his placement is crazy. Man. And the alchemist just he just the guy just he's an experimenter. Yes, very experimentalist. Yeah, yeah. and he'll find different things that don't like he's a chef. Literally, a chef. Oh, he'll yeah. find different Run things, things that you wouldn't think your palate will like or your ears, mm. and you'll put them together, and you'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> that works. So, yeah, that works. So, yeah, Alchemist is definitely a, a chef when it comes to producing. And, I mean, Kanye is Kanye's simple king. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Definitely. I think every, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and now getting into Tempest, uh, So Gone Review featuring Naomi Wild. Um, you know, in her latest second single, you know, it offers a glimpse at, at Tempest, you know, artistic versatility and just finds her uh, meditating on the pain and confusion um, in terms of being in a complex situationship. This just entire track is really about, you know, empowerment and, and self-awareness that finds the, the rising uh, artist leading, leaning into her acoustic sound. But uh, what were some of your thoughts on, on this on this track and, and just also, you know, how Naomi Wilde was able to, to, to fit on the song? I thought it was a vibe, bro. This was this was dope. Yeah, this was this was a dope track, bro. Like, um, like it was. Hmm. I feel like it's something SZA could have killed as well. I just got attacked. Oh, goodness. He's he's, he's still with us. He's still with us. <laughs> I just got attacked. Well, let's fly. <laughs> we got a suicide fly here, bro. Y'all, this this, 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 this episode, y'all, we're, we're trying to keep it together. We're, we're, we're just trying to keep it together this episode. <laughs> I really gotta take my phone. Oh my goodness, sorry. man! <clears throat> but um, yeah, this was a vibe. But like, I don't think I ever heard of Naomi Wild, but I liked her verse. I like her voice. I like her style. Um, I think this song was overall overall dope, bro. Like, it was a vibe. This is something like subconsciously you would think about, like the 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 the, the beat and the production. And he was like, "What? What's that song? I, I know this song. I heard it before, or I just listened to it, and it makes you go back and listen to it, um, and try to find it. That's what I think. This is a sleeper. This is a sleeper track. Yes, it's a sleeper. I, I think, yeah, this is underrated. I think this is a vibe, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hand, I mean, uh, Reese, hand clap for Wellington for finding a good one. <laughs> Wellington be finding tracks, man. We, we gotta give Wellington his flowers, bro. Wellington be finding tracks. Look, um. Now and also another another announcement that that as soon as I saw it I was like Savon's gonna go crazy over this Ari Lennox new album dropping next Friday. Any 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 early expectations? I mean we've been talking about her last few singles and just like what she was able to do with them. But what are you kind of expecting in in this next project from her? She's gonna sing a butt off. She's gonna have what I love the most about Ari is she has a way of finding. A, a a love path with her music and certain stuff she be capping on. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but she like I don't know, bro. She can make the ABC song sound so good. Or she make peanut butter jelly sound so it's just like she knows how to sing. She knows her strengths. 
she knows how to bring the most out of a song, the most out of the lyrics in like from her EPs into her, her singles into her latest album with uh the one she dropped a couple of years ago, man. Yeah, I'm expecting just her to be her. I think I said this last week or the week before we didn't do uh podcast last week, but like I expect her to be her. I expect her to put out consistent music and yeah. she won't miss. Yeah, I'm 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 ready. Tom's gonna be fire. I'm ready. High, high expectations for this one. Yeah, definitely. She better have SZA on it too. Oof, man. But b- before we get to the review, the SZA Ari Lennox song, that's the one we need. That's that's the one we need. If we get that, I'm selfishly just wanting a new a new SZA feature just so I can hear some new SZA music, honestly. Yes, like that bro. that's bro, like that would be a crazy track. Like when we got her on Summer Walker's album on No oh, Love, I was like, No Love, yes. that was crazy. Yeah. Still listening so to that either, summer album. Yeah, so either Scissor or uh, Summer Walker on it, or like, like I would love Drake to get on one of her tracks or have a feature with Drake or a song with Drake. I think that would work. But yeah, wishful thinking. Now. Have they ever wishful. done anything together? <laughs> nope, not wow. at all. I don't think she knows he she I don't think he knows she exists. I know. I'm like Drake didn't even know she exists. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Bronx Hill review. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our Bronx Tale review. And to start the overview of Bronx Tale is a 1993 crime drama film directed and starring Robert De Niro in his directorial debut and produced by Jane Rosenthal, adapted from um, a Chaz uh, Palmentary 1989 play of the same name. Um, it t- tells the coming-of-age story of an Italian-American boy, um, a Calagro, who, after encountering a local mafia boss, is torn between temptations of organized crime and the values of his uh, honest, hardworking father, as well as racial tensions in his community. Um, it had a budget of $10 million in broad and $17.3 million in the box office. And also, had, also has a 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. But uh, what are your thoughts on just, you know, a film that had a, a, a solid script, terrific cast, and just, you know, De Niro's work behind the camera? Solid film. Solid, solid, yeah. solid, solid film. I think Martin Scorsese kind of, you know, <laughs> rubbed off on Robert De Niro and his, uh, Definitely. Uh, you know, his director and this is his director debut. I think what a what a film, man. I remember watching this at a young age and not knowing New York was like that. It was split between towns and the black and Italians, Italians and like black, black and like Italians. And it was just a whole bunch of, you know, a lot of stuff, but I love, uh, the, uh, lessons within the movie, um, about, about love, about trusting people, about, uh, respect and fear. And then, you know, um, Westcom talks about that a lot. So not Sunny. uh, yeah, Sonny. Sonny talks yeah. about that um uh, that a lot in the film about I'd rather be feared than loved. Um mm. but I'm That's I'm a heavy statement. Of, yeah, boy, yeah. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But yeah, I just love that it was it was one, it was realistic. Mm-hmm. Two, it was great cast. Great cast. I mean, it's hard not to love a Robert De Niro film. And um uh Chaz is is a good actor too. And then um you have uh uh Terrell Hicks. Who plays Jane? She's 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 well known in the uh, <laughs> she's well known in the, the uh, what is it, the bootleg films? The bootleg, exactly. And then you know Joe Pesci has a uh, he has a, to get in. He has to yeah, get in. You know he has a little cameo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but no, nah, I thought this was a definitely a solid film. Well, well shot. Um, I liked how it was shot. It wasn't nothing crazy, but I think I think yeah, I think it was a good film. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like when you look at an actor like Robert De Niro, who has had just 
an illustrious career. Like mm-hmm. in, in terms of him getting into directing for this film, like, do you think it's one of those things where even an A-list actor like him, like they want to do other things. They want to kind of get into different, different paths just to, just to see how they can stretch themselves and expand, you know, what they can do in the repertoire. Oh, of course you, you, you've acted in so many movies. You're like, okay, I've, I've gotten good at this. I know what my strengths are. I know what I could do. The fans I've been in are very successful. What's next? So yeah. after you act, you want to be a director. After that, you want to be right, right. You know, write a screenplay or write a script, yeah. you know, some people, you know, skip the steps, but I think once you become, you master something, you want to master something else. And I think mm-hmm. this was a uh, good start film for him to be, you know, being a director. A lot of people do that. Ben Stiller has done it. Um, mm-hmm. Damien, uh, Matt Damien, who, who's on set, yelling at one of his, his st- <laughs> what his stars or whatever. He's like, dude, if you're not wanted, like, yeah, there's a video that's out a long time ago. The guy that played an entourage, actually, he was yelling at mm-hmm. him. Um, but a lot of actors who've mastered acting go on to be directors, write play. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, write scripts and screenplays and stuff like that. So, I think that's the next step of be mastering, an, um, you know, just cinema in, in its yeah. entirety. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting to our first topic from one to four stars, what would you give it? Like to, to you, what would be your particular rating for for this film and some of your reasons? I'll give it three and a half stars. I'll give it. I'll give yeah, three and a half stars. Yeah, it's up there. I don't. I want to give it four. I think some 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 of the the script or some of the like the scenes didn't resonate or hit as much as as it should have, you know. Um, and I'll get to that once we get into the like the favorite scenes, and I'll just add that to the tidbit. But it was like some things that didn't really hit like they thought it was going to do, or some stuff that could have been left out. But overall, the script was solid. I think it was shot decently, um, and I think the the cast was pretty good. But overall, I love the lessons that you um, that were hidden and, and the lessons that were actually visible in the movie. Yeah, I, I, I would go with three with this film because, you know, it was just, you know, a cautious and, and, and capable start to, to, to De Niro's directing career. And just it's filled with just great lines of dialogue and, and had so much life within it and, and you know, colorful characters. Uh, but but getting it now into favorite character, I, w- I would go with Sonny because. He just gave off just, you know, distinctive intensity towards people who cross him. And, you know, even though he wants to solve the problems in his neighborhood, you know, he's unaware that, you know, he's the problem, but still loves his community, mm-hmm. community, which is just a driving force for him overall in the movie. Like, uh, to, to you overall, like, who is your favorite character in this one? Mm, I think Robert De Niro's character, uh, uh, Lorenzo. Because, mm. you know, um, hardworking guy, drives a bus. You know, does the right thing. You know, not yeah. he doesn't have like this luscious life. Yeah. But he has the morals and the principles. And then when he stands up, you you know, you stand up for people. You don't want nobody to mess with your son. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot of guys like that who's, you know, blue collar, who does the right thing, who's, who goes to work, cares for his family, puts food on the table. And I think his character resonates because, you know, I see it a lot. You know, when I was growing up, a lot of guys like that, a lot of like males like that. So, um, and then, you know, once you, you stand up to a mafia, like, I know who you are. I know what you can do. But you're wrong. You're wrong. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not yeah, going to back down. I don't care who you are. That's my son. Kill me. Do what you want to do. But that's my son. I'm going to stick up. So, like, that that resonated um, a lot for me. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and, and now getting into most people's scenes, I had uh, Sonny rescue C. Also, um, mm-hmm. Sonny warned C about his friends. Um, the murder scene from near the beginning of the film when C, as a young kid, witnesses it in the neighborhood. <laughs> um, also, the door test when C goes on his first yeah. date with, with Jane. 
Um, and the, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. You know, when Lorenzo talks to see about yeah. life goals and making <clears throat> the right kinds of decisions, um, the motor, the motorcycle bar fight. And then yeah, finally, uh, uh, Sonny, Sonny's death, like to, to you, like overall, like what were some of the memorable scenes, uh, in this one for you? Once again, you got all of them. Um, <clears throat> I'll add one more, the scene where Sonny confronts, um, uh, I forgot his nickname. What did they call, uh, Caligario? I see. See, yeah, see. yeah. Um, when he confronted him, he was like, "Did you put up on Where did you go? What did you use a cover?" He was like, "Man, he's like, uh, uh, that scene. Like, I think Sonny realized, mm-hmm. like, deeply realized his statement about I'd rather be feared than loved. But, but see, yeah. really, really loved Sonny like mm-hmm. a oh, real yeah, father. Did. And I think he saw that in his eyes. He saw, like, he, was a, like, he saw somebody trying to replace him as a father. Yes, and he was just like. Oh, he was like, okay, he definitely didn't do it. You know what I mean? So, like, that scene resonated because you just realized, like, well, he said throughout the movie, and then, like, he doesn't, I don't fear you. Like, I love you, bro. Like, you don't, I don't love you because you, I, like, I'm scared of you, but I love you because what you taught me, what you, like, you know what I'm saying? I thought that scene yeah. was really, really dope. And then my favorite scene is when, you know, he locked the door and she reached over and she, oh, she's a keeper. <laughs> he went crazy. <laughs> Yeah, um, and now getting into most memorable quotes, um, I had uh, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent from Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I was getting two educations, one from the street and one from the school. That way I'd be twice as smart as everybody from C. Um, also, you stay away from that bar. You, you don't see me going to, to the bar, do you, from Lorenzo? And then um, also sometimes hurting somebody isn't the answer from Sonny. Uh, and then finally, but you can ask anybody from my neighborhood and they'll just tell you this is just another Bronx kill from C. Um, to you, like, were there any, um, and, and also obviously from from, from uh, Sonny, like, I'd rather be uh um, fear than love like that that was kind of like the mm. the, re, the reiterating quotes uh in this movie like what were some of the the memorable quotes uh that you had from this one? Oh yeah sonny had a bunch of them he took a lot um, of them <laughs> man uh i'm just gonna try to give you one <laughs> um jeez the okay the biggest one him talking about the the test or whatever but also him um talking about when he first met uh c he was like <laughs> he was like uh what's your name he was like he gave him his name he was like uh oh that's too long what is your friend called you got a nickname so it's just like that was the birth of yes c. Of like c. he kind of birth like gave because you know he was a you know straight arrow kid and then him meeting you know sonny and being able you know changing his identity a little bit and call him c but other than you already named all sonny's and robin the mirrors or whatever but yeah, yeah, Sonny had a bunch of them. Like, I'd rather be feared. That was my favorite. I'd rather be feared than love. Definitely. Yeah, yeah that was a good one. Um, and, and I mean, like, like also, like, looking at just, like, how there have been so many past mafia films, you know, that have kind of, like, even influenced one like this. Like, in terms of, you know, the, the directors like the, the Scorsese's, the Francis Ford Coppola's from The Godfather, like, how much inspiration do you think De Niro took from, like, those movies in the past that, that we've seen countless times mm-hmm. and then try to put it into one like this one that isn't, you know, as mentioned up as those ones, but it's still a really good film that's in that category? Yeah, I mean, this, this you know, screenplay or film is not far-fetched from Martin Scorsese's or mm-hmm. any other Italian-led film. It's the, literally the, <laughs> the blueprint 
mafia, <laughs> regular guy. You got love in their family. You got lessons. You got killing. You got beating people up. Somebody has to die. There's always a life lesson with a yeah, mafia movie. Literally, it, always. Don't mess with family. Yeah, you it's always family. Young kids up. It's just it's the same thing. So it's not like it's far. You know, it's too far off of like the Martin Scorsese film, like Goodfellas mm. or any of the. It just wasn't like heavily mafia. It was right. more so about love. You know what I mean? So, um, love with, you know, with friends, with, you know, you know, it was, it was just more truly filled with love. You get a, a hint or, you know what I'm saying, a little splash of mafia, yeah. but it's not like crazy, like the regular mafia films, but it's not, it's not too far off. I think this, this film was, is in the, the blueprint of <laughs> Italian films, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. Um, and now getting into like, what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, to me, it just provides as many lessons about parenting as it does about love, as we've mentioned. You know, it also goes into depth, hi- highlighting the injustice- injustices of Italian-Americans and also mm-hmm. uh, the Black community. Uh, to you, like, w- what did you like the most about this storyline? And also just the thought of the the tension between the, 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 the Italians and Blacks in the movie. That was a really heavy part in it that, that they didn't shy away from. Um, so so kind of like, what did you like about the storyline and also that racial tension that, that, that they touched on later in that movie? That's real. That happened in yeah. real life. That was, that was so real. And, um, uh, Mal- not Malcolm X. <laughs> uh, wow. Spike Lee used to Spike, talk yeah. about it in his films or whatever. And do the right thing even. Yeah, do yeah. the right thing is definitely yeah. heavily Italian in, in a black uh, feud. So that was, that's realistic. That happened in all in New York. Um, yeah. They really didn't rock with each other. And I think that was, you have to implement that because then interracial love, you got, you know, Jungle Fever was another one that was based in New York or whatever, based in that area. So I thought that was super realistic. But what I loved about the film most is the life lessons about uh, testing, about loyalty, about love, the stretch, how far you would go for love and loyalty. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just, the mantra of wanting to be feared, you know, cause he had to, it, it took, it, he had to, something had to happen for Sonny to start thinking that way. Mafia mm. led boss or not. You, it's something that led you to that place. Um, to the thing you just want to be feared. You don't want to be loved. So, but I love the life lessons that you have in there. Blue collar dad wants the best yeah. for you, showing you how, how life is supposed to be. Then you got this extravagant illegal life. <laughs> you know, you, you always got to have the morals and principles, but yeah, the life lessons that this film, um, you know, and, had in it. and even the wife wanted was thinking like, Hey, Lorenzo, you might want to take that money and do the job. But he was like, look, I'm not going down. That was the craziest part of it. Yeah. She literally was like entertaining. Like, Hey, like that's some good money. But he's like, I'm not, I'm not going down that way. Like, yeah. Like she, she's tired of living <laughs> in this little square foot. <laughs> box or whatever upstairs and you drive a bus we don't have like, you know that life is you know that life it's appealing life is, yeah it's definitely appealing especially to a young kid especially to a wife that's tired of eating beans but uh <laughs> what are you gonna do you know I'm tired of having beans on monday tuesday wednesday <laughs> tired of these beans <laughs> Um, but, but getting into our last topic 10 years from now, like, do, do you still think it'll be watchable, intriguing? It, it obviously has, has passed yeah. the test of time. Like, and, and, and I always ask this question because, like, the, there is going to be a newer crop of, of viewers that watch this film. Mm-hmm. They're not going to see it as much as they do, like, the, the, uh, the other mafia movies that, that, that we've grown accustomed to see over the years. But what do you think this film will show differently for, for even newer viewers another decade from now? Hmm. 
But it was show. I think it was it was show the love. You know, love has no color. Love has no, you know, gender. Love has no uh, depth. I mean, love has love has no longitude or latitude. Love, right. just love is just love. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that plays a big role in this film. And I think they'll learn loyalty. How yeah. long, how far loyalty and what, what you have to do to gain um, true loyalty. But, I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not far off from any other Italian mafia From Thai movie. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the same thing. Just add it. It wasn't just heavily mafia, mm-hmm. mafia. It was more so showing you the everyday life of people and then, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. And, and, and before we close out, like, our, you know, we spoke about this being De Niro's first, first directorial uh, debut. Like, are there any other actors you can think of you know that that you have a lot of respect for that have also done the, the directing that that you think have been able to switch over into that category oh. well and, and, and you know do an efficient job. Oh, uh, I said I'm uh, Matt Damien, Penn Stiller. Yeah. Um. Ooh. Uh. Oh. Uh. Brian, Brad Pitt has directed Pitt, yeah. a couple films that were actually pretty good. Um. I think he had a directorial cut in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, in which I lo- I love that film. Um, I thought it was really dope. It's funny. It has a lot of action. It's just, yeah. Um, and yeah, those are the ones that come off the top of my head. There's there's some other. Um, not Jamie Foxx. Yeah, that, that's, that's all the top of my head. The main ones. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winter Burns, and I'm my counterpart, Save by Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.